This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Geraldo Rivera. I'm Emily Campagno. And I'm Eric Sean. This is a Fox News Rundown. Thursday, June 30th, 2022. Unleash Brady. A human tragedy near the southern U.S. border reignites the immigration debate. That's not more humane. That's not more safe for the people who live down here. It's not safer for our agents. And a lot of the people who are in the pipeline are at risk as well. I'm Chris Foster. Millions of Americans are spending the 4th of July holiday on vacation, hitting the road or packing onto planes. Right now, with the shortages they have, or in terms of reserve crews and things like that, it's going to be a situation where it, it, it stays messy a lot longer. And I'm Stephen Moore. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The first responders describe a horrific scene. We're not supposed to open up a truck and see stacks of bodies in there. Um, None of us come to work imagining that. Charles Hood is the fire chief in San Antonio, Texas, where dozens of migrants were found dead Monday in a tractor trailer abandoned in triple digit heat with no sign of water, air conditioning or ventilation. A suspected case of human smuggling with several people taken into custody and facing a variety of charges, including the suspected driver. Mexican officials say he tried to blend in with survivors. By Wednesday, the number of dead had risen to 53. It is the deadliest migrant smuggling incident on U.S. soil, and it's on President Biden's watch. Texas Governor Greg Abbott pledging more state efforts to boost border security, including more truck inspections. Traveling with the president overseas, White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre defends immigration policies. The fact of the matter is the border is closed, uh, which is in part why you see people trying uh, to make this dangerous journey using smuggling networks. In a written statement on Tuesday, President Biden called the deaths in Texas horrifying and heartbreaking, pledging to do everything possible to stop human smugglers and traffickers. It's just sad. I mean, it's really terrible to understand how what those people must have been going through. You know, the agony to die like that. It's just incredible. I feel so bad for them. Ron Vitello is a former chief of the U.S. Border Patrol and retired acting director of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. You know, nobody crosses the border or comes to the country to end in that way. And so you have to feel really bad for them and their families. It's it's terrible. Um, Having said that, I mean, you know, genuine compassion for what they go through, the ones that survive and obviously these ones that didn't. um, I'm not surprised. You know, this this border has always been a risky place because of the imbalance in the economy, because of certain immigration policies. And now it's worse than it's ever been. Right. The policies reflected by this administration, the pitching overboard of steps and measures that were by far perfect, but were, in fact, ending the last surge that we had until this president took over, tossed all of that aside. And now we see the worst surge on the southwest border in the history of the border. And it's really sad that this is the outcome of an open borders policy. Um, Lots of people in, in danger and the people in San Antonio, the worst ever. So what in your mind, in your experience, would be, 
you know, the most effective things for this administration to do beyond what's already being done. And let's assume for a second that, you know, they wouldn't just return to all of the Trump policies. So would things like more technology help enough or does it have to be a combination of some of the old policies mixed in in order to be effective, in your opinion? It has to be a combination So at the physical border, you need more technology, you need more infrastructure, including a wall, and you need a sufficient number of agents to respond to the activity that will always be there, regardless of what the policies are. But if they don't change the incentives at the border, which the incentive is to be released in the United States, if they don't change that calculus that would-be immigrants make, then we're not going to get a handle on this problem. They're not going to be able to stop the surge. One other thing, the the former president had been attacked by Democrats for policies, you know, they deemed cruel. Is there such a thing as middle ground on this issue? Again, you know, like when I was an operator, you wanted more resources. The migrant protection protocols, the implications for individuals were not great, right? They had to wait long term in Mexico and, and Mexico was not equipped as far as the infrastructure goes to hold large numbers of people at or near the border. And so you can always do those things better. Um, and so there is a way to improve what was the previous policy. But ending it was not more humane. They put more people in peril. They put more people in the pipeline. They put more resources in the hands of cartels and human traffickers. And they put those people in the pipeline at more risk because more volume means more chaos and criminal cartels, human traffickers, and people who are preying upon that population, like corrupt governments and law enforcement officials, they're getting rich off of this problem. They're not helping. And so there's a, there's a risk in all of it. And, and there's no way they can straight face say that this is more humane because it's utterly chaotic. You know, the, there are places along the border close to where I am today where no agent patrols, like vast swaths, miles and miles and miles of the U.S.-Mexico border where there's no presence of law enforcement. Um, and if you would have told me that was the case three years ago, I said, no, that's not how we operate. It's never going to be that bad along the southwest border. Right now, that's exactly what's occurring. That's not more humane. That's not more safe for the people who live down here. It's not safer for our agents. And a lot of the people who are in the pipeline are at risk as well. These are issues frequently raised by Republicans, including the Texas governor, who calls the Biden administration's border policies deadly. But it's not all partisan concern. The International Organization for Migration, a U.N. agency, says more migrants died crossing the border last year than any other year since they started tracking the data in 2014. More than 600 deaths. Well, look, when you have record numbers of individuals coming across, number one, And then number two, you have 60 percent of the Border Patrol that are inside the uh, border processing centers taking care of migrants. Then another 10 percent doing outreach and administrative work. That means you have only 30 percent of the Border Patrol out there. Nine-term Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar is a Democrat, representing a district that stretches from San Antonio to the Mexican border. He's also vice chair of the House Appropriations Subcommittee on Homeland Security. That means that only 30 percent of the Border Patrol are actually doing checkpoint manning or actually at the border. That means that uh, there are more people going to come across, less Border Patrol that can go and save individuals from dying, and therefore the numbers are going to go up because there's less Border Patrol agents 
that are actually saving, you know, the migrants. You know, and, and a lot of people need to understand the job of the Border Patrol is to secure our country. But in that work, in that mission, they actually are saving a lot of migrants that get lost and have to face 100-plus degree weather, uh, like in South Texas or other places. And they actually save a lot of people, not only from the heat, but sometimes when they try to cross the river and are drowning. So what is the answer? I mean, it sounds like you're saying more you know, Border Patrol agents need to be back on the front line, so to speak, instead of dealing with processing and other things. Um, what's the answer to that? Because the White House still says the border's closed. Well, you know, my position, I, I don't think the border is closed. You know, my position is I see large numbers of people coming in. Saying one thing is one thing. Actually doing something is very different. Uh, the numbers have gone very, very high. That is, of migrants coming across. Deaths are up because there's less Border Patrol out there in the field. And when you only have 30 percent of your Border Patrol agents actually doing their mission, that tells you there's something wrong. And that's why in the appropriations, I've added more money to hire more Border Patrol, but more importantly, to put in what we call the border processing coordinators. It's something I started a couple of years ago, which are support staff so they can be taking care of the migrants and Border Patrol agents and OFO, which are the men and women in blue, can go out there and do their mission, which is protect our country. What about the issue of migrants being released in communities around the country to await asylum hearings? Because critics of the, you think it's wrong. Oh, yeah, it's wrong. I mean, I don't believe in catch and release. It's wrong. Our communities don't like it. Our communities believe, we believe in legal migration. My father was born in Guerrero, Tamaulipas. He became a legal resident and a legal naturalized citizen. And people in South Texas, Hispanic Democrats, we believe in that. So we don't like people just coming in, jumping the lines, uh, being released in our streets. We want to see secure border. We want to be compassionate in how we treat people with respect and dignity. But we do not want to see open borders. And having people coming in and have catch and release is wrong. Have you expressed your concerns directly to the president or the White House about that? Do you think they need to be more transparent about what they're doing? I have done that more than once uh, to the White House. They've taken uh, my input, (laughs) but it, it looks like we have a disagreement and uh, in that position. New Congresswoman Myra Flores uh, just recently flipped the Texas 2nd District red, running on the issue of immigration. Do you think Democrats are losing faith on the issue of immigration and border security in your home state? And and if so, what's the path for your party in Texas? Uh, I would say that uh, that seat will turn Democratic in November. Uh, by Vicente Gonzalez. It's a different district uh, when it goes in. There were several reasons why she won, but without going to great detail, I would say that that seat will turn uh, Democratic in, in November. But I would say that we need to make sure that we understand that in South Texas, you got to understand the border and you got to make sure you have the right message to win. 
So Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who's a Republican, has announced more steps that the state plans to take to try to beef up border security, including more state inspections of trucks along the southern border. Do you support uh, his efforts in general or do you think he's going too far? Well, look, I always welcome. Uh, I used to be a state legislator. I know Governor Abbott. I support the state working with the federal government to provide better security, whether it's DPS uh, or it's uh, the Guard, which is paid by the federal government. But in that specific issue about stopping trucks, that would be wrong because the only thing the uh, DPS can do when it comes to those truck inspections is to check for you know, mechanical inspections. They don't open up the trailers. They can't go in and see if they have drugs or, or, or migrants. I mean, to be truthful, because I used to be, I used to do the budget for DPS. All they can do is do inspectional uh, breaks and windshield wipers and license uh, plates and stuff like that. So that part, I disagree with the governor. I hope he doesn't do that because it was a delay on international trade. You know, every minute there's more than $1 million of uh, uh, business between the U.S. and Mexico. So that tells you how important trade is. But the rest, I certainly welcome uh, the state to work with the federal government so we can secure our border. What do you think needs to be done to make the border more secure? You've said you disagree with the White House that, that it's closed, the border's closed. So what should they be doing? Would you support a return to any of the, the Trump policies? Well, I don't know what a particular you're talking about, Trump policy, but I will tell you that, you know, Republicans talk about pull factors. Democrats talk about push factors. I think uh, any solution should cover addressing both the pull and the push factors uh, on it. The major thing is you got to have consequences. Uh, if you don't show consequences, then people are going to just see the border as a speed bump. The bottom line is making sure Border Patrol the rest of the homeland have the right personnel, the right equipment, the right technology, and not only play defense on the one-yard line, you got to play defense on the 20-yard line, which means that we got to get Mexico, Guatemala, and other countries to do more to stop people before they come to the one-yard line called the U.S.-Mexico border. Texas Democratic Congressman Henry Cuellar, thank you very much for your time. Anytime. You have a wonderful day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Stephen Moore with your Fox News commentary coming up. Fourth of July falling on a Monday means a three-day weekend for a lot of people or an excuse to make an even longer vacation out of it. Even with gas prices higher than ever, AAA predicts record high traffic with 42 million people driving at least 50 miles from home for the holiday. Others will fly. I'm looking forward to vacation because I haven't had the opportunity for in a while. Everyone's kind of affected by the pandemic, so if you, the restrictions are up, everyone's going to leave. Air travel is not expected to be quite back to pre-pandemic levels, but slightly busier than last year. 
It's a three-day weekend, and that gets more people to fly. Michael Boyd's president of the aviation forecast firm Boyd Group International. The only issue is if we have bad weather in certain places, like wherever God puts a connecting hub and a thunderstorm together, we may have some chaos. Other than that, it may be smoother than we're planning. Okay. Uh, yeah, and if you mentioned that well, since the 4th is on a Monday, we're, obviously it's probably going to be a busier travel weekend than when it falls on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday because people might even extend and take off you know, and make it a four- or five-day weekend, right? Absolutely so, sir. So you don't predict we're going to be seeing all over the news travel nightmare and passenger stranded this weekend unless we get some, you know, like you said, an act of God. No, I, I think the airlines are trying to avoid that as much as they can. They're not booking flights without knowing there's pilots there. It's not like they're booking empty airplanes or empty cockpits. The real issue is uh, recovering when that thunderstorm does hit Dallas-Fort Worth or when an air traffic control center you know, starts to go down like in Jacksonville. That's when things really start to fall apart. They just don't have the resources to bring it back real quick. Yeah, we hear about these pilot shortages and staff shortages. Is the issue more that... Um Okay, they schedule as much as they can possibly schedule with the people they have on hand. But then once once there's a glitch and they need more crews, they, those reserves just aren't there. That's exactly it. It's normally a problem anyway. But right now, with the shortages they have or in, in terms of reserve crews and things like that, it's going to be a situation where it, it, it stays messy a lot longer. And the other side of it is consumers get stranded, like in Atlanta or in Chicago or somewhere like that. When they get stranded... They got nowhere to go because airlines don't have ground staff anymore. Everything's been, you know, put onto a cell phone. Right. Uh, yeah, that's another thing uh, left over from the COVID days, maybe that, or maybe just you know the cost of doing business and things being more automated. How are operations in airports being affected by the more automations and more kiosks, for example, and more, you know, and, and more just do it on your phone, even though you're at the airport. Well, kiosks and cell phones work great. But when something goes wrong, it doesn't make a lot of sense yelling at that kiosk. But there aren't a lot of people. Keep in mind, a lot of places don't even have ticket counters anymore because we don't have tickets anymore. That means we don't have people standing behind that ticket counter to help you when something goes wrong. you got to dial up the airline, and that's really where airlines have really fallen behind, not staffing the kind of resources they need when customers need answers. We talk back to the pilot shortage for a minute. Why? It's it's been going on for for how long now, and what's your explanation for it? Well, it was there before, but you know, when when the pandemic hit, a lot of you know pilots did get retired or went into other lines of work when they were cut out. And and again, the, the pilot profession. And again, I, I my dad was a pilot. You know, it was you know glamorous supposedly, but it's very hard work. And the other side of it is. Right now, today, with the training rules they have, it makes very little economic sense for anyone to go through the training you'd need from the start to become a pi- airline pilot. It's very expensive. 20 years ago, we had retired military. We don't have that anymore. So that means you got to spend three or $400,000 just to get hired by an airline. I was going to ask you about the military. And I don't know if you have an answer for this, but is the military flying fewer manned jets in favor of drones, for example, and what's the knock-on effect of, of that going to be? Are there fewer pilots in the military coming out? You know, that is a really good point to bring up. I mean, right now, pilots coming out of the military are much less of a factor for airline hiring today because there aren't many of them. But you bring up a good point with more, you know, automated drone flying and things like that. There's probably going to be less pilots coming from that source. So we're back to having a situation where if you want to be a pilot and start out from scratch, 
you know, get ready to spend probably $300,000 in training just to do that. There's better ways, but uh, right now today, you've got to have hours, not expertise. Yeah. And then up until now, for the, the large part, us taxpayers have been paying for that training uh, through the military. Now people are going to have to do it themselves or the airlines are going to have to come up with some sort of uh, some sort of program where they find people with the aptitude and that they want to you know, invest in. This isn't just the airlines, but they furloughed people because of the pandemic early on. Has it been difficult to now get those people back? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Keep in mind, it, 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 it's not like the old days. If you want to hire someone to just handle luggage, there's training involved, security training, hazardous materials training, got to put through all that. It's very expensive. So hiring them back for a job like that is pretty tough to do. Plus, airlines have farmed a lot of these things out to contractors that pay horrible wages. Uh, and as a result of that, they, they can't get anybody. So keep in mind, a lot of the people handling that airplane you're on don't work for the airline. They work for some contractor whose uh, employees have a career path only until that contract gets rebid. Airlines get a lot of money during the pandemic or when travel started opening up a bit. Here's some a few billion dollars. Please don't lay everybody off. Has that money dried up? Was it in the end just a Band-Aid and maybe a waste of money to an extent? I don't believe it was a waste of money. People can make that argument, certainly. But it did keep airlines alive. I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I thought in the first part of 2020, airlines would just shut down and just let this go because you're carrying a 9% load factor. But uh, I think th- that money did keep those airlines flying. It did keep people employed and did preserve our air transportation system that we have today. And it's, you know, again, I, I believe it was a good expenditure of money. Could airlines do a better job? Sure. Any, any industry can. How are gas, uh, well, it's, I, I say gas, how are fuel prices uh, affecting the industry? Are, are those contracts locked in in such a way that there's a little bit of a buffer or is it being passed on to consumers? I'm saying that we are going to be looking at some real challenges in the fourth quarter of this year when fuel is $4 a gallon. And, you know, two years ago, it was probably less than half that. That's huge. People flying today bought their tickets pretty much when fuel was probably 30 or 40 percent lower than when they're going to fly. We're looking at a situation where entire fleets of 50 seat jets, you know, now they have to pay pilots more and they're going to pay $4 a gallon for jet fuel. A lot of those airplanes are being parked. That means a lot less uh, service in some areas. Uh, any hot spots this holiday weekend? Where are people flying to now that people are flying again? Well, I, no, I think it's all over. There, There is strong leisure traffic. I believe that's going to start to get dried up with inflation we're having, $5 a gallon gas, things like that. But for right now, I think we're going to have a lot of people that are planning to fly. They're going to fly. So, again, keep in mind, you got to get to the airport earlier because you're going to have security travel because any holiday season, a lot of amateurs fly and they don't know they can't take their Swiss army knife on the airplane with them. If you didn't know the pandemic ever happened, uh, are looking at the numbers and looking at the, the flying experience, is it, is it over? Are we back to normal? No, there, we, we have a totally different normal of 2019 will never come back again. Right now, today, this year, we're going to be operating, we, the airline industry, about 90% or 87% of the seats that they flew in 2019. That's because they're flying a different kind of air transportation system. A lot of smaller communities that are close to like Toledo, Ohio, where, you know, it's a 40-minute drive to a much bigger airport. Uh, There won't be any air service there, and that's because consumers weren't getting on airplanes. 
it's a different air transportation system. And also, I think we're going to have a lot less international travel than people are predicting. How about business travel? Is that ever going to come back to where it was now that companies maybe realize eh, we don't have to send them to Sac- Sacramento for that conference? Well, let's keep in mind, even before this this pandemic started, communication channels have changed. The communication channel of the of air travel has been eclipsed by you know video travel, the internet, all that. So there's a lot less. An example is you know between um, Albany and let's just say Islip, there used to be forty thousand people a year back in the '80s. Today there's nobody there because you don't need to travel anymore. Video has replaced a lot of it. The internet has made a lot of it just not even in the cards anymore. It's not total, but we have different communication channels and a lot of them eclipsed the communication that air travel, belly to belly meetings used to used to maintain. Michael Boyd, I uh, hope you enjoy your holiday weekend. President of Boyd Group International. It's an aviation forecast firm based out of uh, Colorado. Michael, good to talk to you. Thanks. Talk to you. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Getting Schooled is a podcast hosted by Fox Nation's Abby Hornacek. Each week, Abby and her expert guests tackle topics we take for granted and help explain the roots and meanings behind them. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America is listening to Fox News. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Stephen Moore. What's on your mind? Joe Biden has become America's It's Not My Fault president. Biden has become an expert at pointing the finger at anybody but himself. Take the supply chain crisis. Biden blames the shortages and the empty shelves and the back orders of everything from cars to tampons to baby formula on, quote, supply chain, unquote, disruptions. For example, if you try to buy a car these days, you will probably have to wait for weeks or even months to pull it into your driveway. Or you will have to pay $5,000 to $20,000 above the sticker price on a new car to get a car immediately. One of the most remarkable business innovations of the last 40 years has been just-in-time inventory management. It is a logistical triumph of the economy that cut prices and insured full shelves at the grocery store and at Walmart. Why is it just now that we are confronted with the goblins of supply chain disruptions? Biden says it is because we had the economy shut down, and then Trump left him with an economy in miserable shape. According to this narrative, Biden had to build back better and solve bottlenecks with cargo ships, airlines, warehouses, and factories. But that's not even close to the truth. The economy soared out of the COVID shutdowns that had paralyzed the economy in early 2020. In the second half of 2020, the economy snacked back with a rapid rebound. These were the last six months of the Trump presidency. There were few shortages or delays, except when companies couldn't get the workers they needed because of high unemployment benefits. But prices were stable in the first six months of the COVID recovery under Trump. When Trump left office, inflation was just 1.5%. When Biden took over, right from the get-go, here, there, and everywhere, supply chain problems emerged. And finally, he appointed people to key positions in his administration who were woefully unqualified for the task at hand. Take Kamala Harris as vice president, who was in charge of securing the border. Pete Buttigieg was put in charge of transportation. He seems like a very nice man, but he went on paternity leave amid the cargo shipping crisis and took no practical steps to alleviate the jams up at the airport. 
In some, the supply chain problems and high inflation aren't going away because no one in this administration knows anything about logistics, business, commerce, or fixing things. The Committee on Unleashed Prosperity did a Google test to see how often people search for the term supply chain problems. Sure enough, what we found is the searches weren't too common for the 20 years before Biden was inaugurated. Then almost from the month that Biden was sworn in, the number of searches quadrupled for the term supply chain problems because that's when we had the supply chain problems. Perhaps Biden, the man who blames everyone for his failed presidency, is the real source of the supply chain problem himself. Maybe to get the American economic engine running smoothly again, it's Joe Biden that needs to be replaced. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Download the one, the one with Craig Gutfeld. Jennifer Haramai. Uh, my ex-husband, Neil Haggerty, like, we wrote all the songs together, but then he pieced out and yeah. didn't want anything to do with the mixing. Right. So, you know, you know you're know, you putting stuff in my lap, and you're going to get a little bit of my flavors. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.